Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaosium. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I am your keeper, Keeper Michael, and we return to Horror on the Orient Express, where we are in Constantinople, and things are about to get real. Before they do, we'd like to thank you, the listener, and you, the Patreon supporter, especially. If you haven't had a chance to check out what we offer on Patreon, you can at patreon.com slash the Old Ways Podcast. We are very much nearing our goal of 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. Uh, we are grateful for everybody who is listening to the show and plugging in over there, and we adore your comments. And so keep them coming and tell your friends about us, even the ones who don't like us. And now I'll turn to Investigator Introductions to my right. Hi there, this is Mike, and I play James Robert Fraser, who is currently having a brief respite, which he rather suspects is going to be the calm before the storm. A keen observation by someone um, who is quite sharp-eyed and has a high spot hidden role, so not surprising at all. To Mr. Fraser's right. Hi, this is Rena. I play Lady Elizabeth Fitzroy, and I finally figured out why Father didn't want me reading that book. Yep. And uh, for once, maybe, perhaps, your father was right about something that remains to be seen. At the end of the table. Hi, this is Giles, and I'm playing Simon Griffith. And Simon and Jim are going shopping. Quite possibly for the last time. And last, but most certainly not least. Hi, this is Miranda, and I play Maggie Bellinger, and I'm currently occupied showing Richard a little bit of skin. Uh, We are in the Missing Professor formation. We're certain the professor will be back for our final recordings. So we're going to, before we raise the curtain, we're going to give back to those who have given so much. And so we're going to turn right around to the start of our introduction line, back with Mr. Fraser, played by Spike. And we are going to ask him to make a luck roll. All righty, here we go. 64 luck just now. That's a success. You may take eight points of luck, sir. Thank you very much, sir. And Lady Elizabeth, played by Rena. Hey, so I have that magic 30. And I did fail with a 95. Oh. Well, I'm going to give you 19 points of luck. Fantastic. For as long as they last, of course. And Simon is played by Giles. I am fortunate today that my dice are not hating me. I have 61 luck currently, and I just rolled a 67. All right. So 13 points of luck to you. And Miss Bellinger. Ah, yes. I currently have 43, and I rolled a 33. Oh, well, that's okay. All's not lost. 12 luck to you. All right. Now, before... We step out into the wonderful air of Constantinople. We are going to put right something and give a little extra bit of gift in the form of sanity to our investigators, one who dealt with the terrifying and terrible Comte Fenelique. And so it has been a couple of sessions, but since nothing harrowing has happened, I don't feel terribly bad about off-putting this sanity bonus back to you. 
as I'm certain that you'll need it in the game sessions to come. So for defeating Comte Fenelik in such a righteous and wonderful way, I'm going to award you a full 10 points of sanity back. It is a major enemy thwarted in such a righteous and a terrifying way. You are also going to gain a D4 points of sanity back for dealing with some of the comps, we'll just say, little children. Nasty little people he created are going to net you two points of sanity. And so now, with all that put right, we may begin. See, and you're thinking, oh, that's not so bad. We made it through. So morning in Constantinople is something to behold. You are woke early by the recitation of morning prayer by many, many of the faithful here. It is a song and really a cadence of sorts that goes out and is repeated over many of the high towers here within the city's limits. People stop wherever they are. Some people plan ahead. Some of you are still in bed. It has been a long evening. You'll each recover two hit points, which is very good for some of you. And of course, refresh any MP that you may have spent or may have lost along the way. Jonah is in very early. He comes from the market with food for breakfast, breads, and a few other items. There is tea and milk as well. And after he makes his deliverables drop in the kitchen area, he sets back to his bedroom, it looks like, becoming fully engrossed in the translation process. The note on the counter basically says, I'm in my office if you need me. Jonah. Well, we have some things to attend to today, I believe. Um, yes, we do. And you would notice that Maggie is probably dressed the most modestly she's ever been because she has some things to hide. And obviously it's it's because we're in Constantinople and for no other reason like that she's been flaying herself. Potato, potato. Gentlemen, I believe there was mention of a scholar. We do need to find this mosque. Ah, your ladyship, we did have intention of uh, heading towards uh, the bazaar. I believe there is a building there where the scholars play their trade. Uh, wasn't that right, Simon? I think so. I'll go knock on the door of Jonah because I, I do want to ask him one question. He opens it. Yes. Mr. Jonah, I do hate to interrupt you, but as we are heading out to the bazaar, how dangerous would the bazaar be for foreigners? Foreigners? Regular people? Not that dangerous. You? Dangerous. So you would say it would be better to be prepared? Always. Thank you very much, sir. He helps you shut the door and goes back to his work. Jim, so I believe we will be taking pistols? No, I don't leave home without it. Yes, I, I think given the, the circumstances, it would be unwise not to arm ourselves whenever we, we go off on our travels. I also don't believe Maggie and I will be able to accompany you there, considering certain things. It's also probably not wise in general, considering they'd be looking for a group of, well, us. We stand out more. Lady Liz, if they are looking for all of us, it, it might be best if we split up then. Yes. Right, well, I'm, I'm sure you have plenty to occupy yourself with here. Whilst we go and uh, see what we can 
see what we can find. Uh, hopefully, we will be fruitful in our endeavors. Just do be careful. Do you remember the new names in your passports? Indeed. Isn't that right, Mr. Castle? Uh, of course, of course, Fred. Fred, do you think I should bring uh, Mr. Thompson with me? I think Mr. Thompson might be a little conspicuous. Well, I, I could remove the drum and uh, hang it on my belt, sling the gun over my back and put a coat on. If you think it necessary to uh, to be carrying such firepower with you, then by all means, uh, but please make sure it's discreet. We don't want uh, anybody uh, asking any difficult questions. I shall not be bringing my uh, more heavy-duty equipment with me. A pistol will suffice, I think. Perhaps your, um, what is it you call it, um, toothpick might be a valuable uh, item. I've replaced it, but yes, I'll, I'll go ahead and bring a couple blades and the pistol then. I'll leave Mr. Thompson at home on your judgment. Right. Well, let's uh, let's not delay any longer. There's, uh, there's work to do and time grows short. The two of you head out from the safe house, make the long walk down towards the market, which is where the scholars area sits adjacent to. The streets are teeming with people. The sheer amount of humanity that gets packed into this space is uncomfortable. It makes your shoulders itch a little. It's the sort of thing where you can't really make too much quick progress without either bumping into someone or someone bumping into you. Some people care about personal space here, and that sum is very small. Most people continue to just go about their day. It's not that they're disrespectful by any means. It's just that they, um, they have their own lives to lead. I'm very aware of the fact that in a busy marketplace, there's almost certainly going to be pickpockets and the like out plying their trade. So I'm keeping my eyes peeled as ever, ensuring that my wallet and my pistol and uh, my valuable items are well and truly secured about my person. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll head over, I guess, we'll see if we can see where the building that the, these scholars are situated and head straight over towards that. Yeah, so it's not a building, it's totally open air, which is different. Okay. The best way to put it would be there's some canvas banners and tents that sort of protect them from the sun. But there are scholars that are lined up at desks, probably 20 or 30 of them. And there's just a simple wooden stool and a table. And many of them are writing on sheaves of paper and uh, talking with people occasionally who come up and ask for any number of things. So the biggest challenge that you're gonna probably face is the language barrier here. The biggest trouble is knowing what to ask for. And so what you have is the scholar's name, Malik. You know, so you know who you're looking for, mm -hmm. but that's about it. So am I right in thinking that there would be Greek and Turkish spoken here? There's probably very little Greek spoken here, it, there's probably Greek understood, given the fact of how much the two countries have warred against one another. But you wouldn't probably find a lot of Greek scholars here. I'm just wondering if it's more likely that they would understand a few words of Greek rather than if you, you know, trying to speak to them in English. I think it's possible, but I think that Fraser's smart enough to know that there's also a possibility that he could set somebody off by speaking Greek here, depending upon if you know, father, son, etc. killed in war. There's all sorts of things you could do. Well, Simon, how's your Greek? 
you've been going through your phrase book, haven't you, for the last wee while? I can ask where the bathroom is. I, I can try something if you want. I think we should possibly sound out whoever we're speaking to before, before we start speaking in the language of an antagonistic neighbouring uh, country. Well, we know who we're, we're asking for anyway, don't we? So uh, I suppose that the easiest thing is just to find somebody and uh, see if they uh, know who and where Malik is. We are customers, so since they want our money, I'm sure they'll find a way to speak to us. Aye, very true, very true. Well, what about this fellow here? Well, you, you are the, definitely the more genteel one of us. Ah, well, I'll give it a go. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Do you speak any English, sir? You see a, a bearded man stop writing just briefly, and he looks up, and he says, Yes, I speak English. Oh, wonderful. My colleague and I uh, require the services uh, of a man of letters. We understand there is a chap here by the name of uh, Malik who uh, can assist us uh, with our inquiries. Malik? Yes, he turns on his stool and points towards the third or fourth row back of scholars. And he says, uh, he's there. You'll see him. Uh, long beard. And he's wearing uh, gold today. Gold. Gold. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you very much. And I will give him uh, an appropriate small donation for his, uh, for his services. For the information. Very much appreciated. He nods and takes the donation. Well, over here, I think, uh, Simon. Oh, uh, Mr. Castle. Lewis. Lou? Louis? How do you like to be called? Lou or Lewis would be fine, sir. No need to stand on ceremony. You be Louis and I'll be Fred. How about that? Sounds good. Right, well, come along, Louis. Let's find this fellow Malik. All right, Freddy, you go first. Right, old Lulu. The two of you head back a few rows. You cut through a few faces while they're open. And you eventually find yourself in front of a desk with a scholar at it who wears a, a fairly long beard. He has a extraordinary headdress on. And then there are like these small gold accents that come off of it. He stops when you approach and he sort of very patiently puts his cool pen down. Good, uh, good morning, sir. Good morning indeed. Might I, uh, having the pleasure of addressing uh, Malik? I am Malik the Scholar. Ah, splendid, splendid. You have come recommended to us very highly for your uh, knowledge of the city and its, its people, its places and its history. Wonderful. My colleague here and I, we are uh, interested in some of this, this knowledge, this information. And we have been advised that uh, if we wish to seek the best... We should seek Malik. We will pay for your services, of course. He smiles and he gives you a bit of a chuckle. He takes the paper that he was writing and rolls it up a bit, sets it inside the desk, and then sets out a fresh sheet of paper. And he says, um, I need but two things. Two things from you, sir. One, what topic can I um, inform you on? And then as always, as I would ask any of my uh, English speakers, he sort of smiles who sent you? Well, um, a gentleman of your, your city, by the name of Jonah. Oh, of course. And I am his whale. I, I take it that is satisfactory. It is satisfactory enough. 
splendid. So, um, is there somewhere that we might converse uh, in with a little more privacy? It's, ra- it's rather noisy here, or uh, is this where you ply your trade? It is where I ply my trade, it is where I make my money. Mr. Malik, I can write down what we're interested in, if that will help. He looks around. It's fairly noisy enough in here to prevent people from overhearing. It might be better if we do. Simon will take out his little notebook that he's been carrying since London, write Shunned Mosque on a little piece of paper, tear it out and fold it, and hands it to Malik. He looks at it. My goodness. You see him shift the paper a few times, like left to right. You can understand why the information that we are seeking might be deemed a little sensitive. Very sensitive. Now, there is a cost for this information. Of course. He raises a hand. But I will not be charging you today. I do not feel it's fair. In, in what sense? Because it could lead to your death. Kind of look at Simon for, for a moment, just for confirmation of maybe being a little more candid with this man. I, I think my associate and I are... We understand, unfortunately, and we still need to proceed, sir. Both of us have been in situations before where there is danger, but the consequences of not facing that danger might be uh, considerably worse than the danger itself. They talk about this mask in quiet whispers. I, I suspected as much. There is a group of maniacs in this city who worship a lost statue. I have heard very recently this statue was found. It is a fabulous treasure, but one of great evil. We are aware. I believe this group, this bizarre religious sect, is responsible for the recent kidnappings of a dozen children for unknown purposes. None have even been offered for sale. No, I suspect they have uh, rather different intentions towards these poor wains. Unfortunately, I think my associate and I can divine what this uh, sect may be doing with them. He leans forward on the writing desk and looks at you, James, and says, There are cultists even among the city officials. Do you have any idea of the approximate numbers of this sect here in the city? I do know that this place you ask of is guarded well. I dare say. Do they have a leader? They do. They do have a leader. He stays inside the walls there. What do you know of him? I know that to cross him is a death sentence. I know his people will find you wherever you go. I know they will not stop hunting or chasing you. I know that they will flay the skin from your body. This, um... This leader, this man, does he have a name? He flips over the paper that Simon gave him and he writes something right to left in Arabic. I will not speak it. Understood. I'm sure we will find means to understand it for ourselves. Well, of course, um, my associate and I, we came here for the information on where to find this. Can you direct us there? 
I could tell you where to look. I could tell you where I believe it to be, as far as how you would gain entry, or why you would even want to. He brushes away the comment even as it comes out of his mouth. For the same reason I stood in a dirty ditch in France. There are times, are when a man must face the evil, lest it spread and infect all those around. This place, it is fetid and rotten at the core. It has been disabused for many, many years. This is where this man, if he is still a man, has made his home. It is instandable, here, findable. Fraser just sort of nods. If you were to point to the location where you believe it to be on a map, would you be able to do that for us? Perhaps draw one yourself to point us in the right direction? He takes out from the inside of his desk a trifold piece of paper, and you see a very rudimentary map of the area. It's probably a hundred or so years old, just by the print. Looks like it's hand-drawn. You see a curve to one of the streets, and he follows it down with his finger very carefully until he gets to one portion of the map and then makes an immediate move south. And he puts his finger directly on the map. And as he does, he becomes completely rigid and falls forward onto the desk, collapsing in front of you. What do you do? I think uh, I, after a, a, a kind of a, a moment shock, see this happen. I will immediately try and see if he's if he's got a pulse. My first thought is that's the that looks like somebody who's just been shot with uh, like a silent weapon, perhaps poisoned, something like that. Or has had a heart attack, perhaps, but that seems unlikely and coincidental. So when he falls forward and you begin to react to it, you see that there is a dart that's sticking out of the back of his neck. It's maybe two to three inches long. Can Simon do a spot hidden to see if he can um, see where it possibly came from? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Give me an extreme spot hidden roll. Uh, 42. That's a negatory Ghost Rider. Once I've realized that there is a, a dart in the back of his neck, I'll, I'll kind of look up and see if I can ascertain where it came from as well, if there's still time to do so. Because I would imagine whoever's done this is not hanging around. <laughs> yeah, you can definitely give it a look. No, that's just a normal success. That's not, not extreme, and that's going to take an awful lot of luck to make it extreme. So, Yeah, it's definitely hard to see. The market area is packed. The scholars area is very busy. You, you think it might be something that came from relatively close range, but it's a projectile, and so it could have been fired by anybody who had something, you know, 12 to 18 inches long. So tough to say. Absolutely. I would imagine there's rooftops and stuff like that around. And, you know, I don't, I don't know what the range on these things is. He's falled forward collapsed onto his desk. People around you begin to startle and scream and call out. I'm going to very quickly um, and as subtly as possible 
take that bit of paper and put it in my pocket. Okay. I've already kind of been trying to memorize where he's pointing to and comparing it to... I'll, I'll have looked at maps of the city over the last few yeah, few days, you know, to get my bearings and stuff like that. Oh, I'm certain. When the map is there, it's under him. So uh, do you want me to make a, a roll of some kind to be able to um, quickly retrieve this without it looking like I'm robbing him? What's Fraser's dex? Uh, his dex is 60. Yeah, I guess unless you've got a heavy sleight of hand, you can give me a dexterity roll with the intention that you're trying to look like you're not robbing him. Well, that's a 12. So that is an extreme dexterity roll. So you carefully cradle him a little bit on his desk so he doesn't fall completely off. And in doing so, are able to sort of grab the map and not curl it or crunch it, but just grab it and then tuck it into your shirt or something like that to keep it from prying eyes quickly slip it in my pocket people are reacting to what's happened oh yeah I'll um I'll just call somebody call a doctor call a doctor where, where, where's the police yes call the police the crowd gets up in a roar obviously people begin grabbing the scholar's body Millie's body and they get him to the floor and attention becomes fully engrossed on him as he's on the floor they're trying to assist him and aid him Come on, Simon, quickly. Now's our chance. Simon, to draw their attention, gestures at the dart in the back of the neck so they can all see it. All the ones that are leaning over, because that'll get their attention, and they have a better chance of recognizing it than we do. Okay. So also, if we disappear, hopefully they won't say it was us. Fraser is trying to slip into the crowd. Once the crowd's attention is fully focused on the man, on, on his table or on the table wherever he is, Fraser is just going to try and disappear into the crowd and then make his way back to the hotel. Okay. Yeah, as provided the two of you are going to use this scholar's unfortunate death as a misdirection to avail yourself of freedom, then you probably will get away without being tracked close enough. There aren't any local police that are close enough to get involved in this. You do probably get some people who stare at you as you maneuver your way through a little bit and try to get back to safety, but nobody stops you actively. I was actually I was going to suggest earlier on that while we've been here, it might have been worth kind of getting hold of some clothes to dress a bit more like the locals dressed and make ourselves slightly less conspicuous in a, in a crowd. But I, I mean, I guess we'll probably be mostly wearing our Western clothes at the minute. I suppose we'll stand out a little bit, but if we can just kind of move through quickly and get out of the way without any fuss, then hopefully we should be all right. And I want to watch as we kind of leave that marketplace area, um, head down the side street or whatever. I want to take a moment just to turn back and scan just to see who's following us. Not if we're being followed, but who's following us, because I'd be very, very surprised if we're not being followed. It doesn't probably take too hard of a spot heading to suss out that you're probably being followed by a couple of kids. Mm -hmm. Probably use between 10 and 12. Okay. Uh, I don't want to say that they look standard pickpocket height, but probably pretty close. Okay. I mean, it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if kids are being used as spies anyway for uh, uh, any kind of gang slash sect slash cult activity. Pay him a few a few coins and tell him to watch that man and tell me where he goes. Okay, so I'm going to flash back to the safe house now. 
and we'll um, check in on our other investigators and see how they're doing with their mornings of not being near murdered scholars. Probably during the first couple of hours of research after the gents have gone off to the market, after the first couple of hours, Jonah comes out of his room and locates you, Lady Elizabeth. Good morning. Morning. I think good might be relative. Can you answer a couple of questions for me? Potentially. I've gotten into a few of these pages now, and it references a um, an object, it references a statue, it references something called the, the Sedekfar Simulacrum. Yes. Do you have that here with you? We do. Do you... Have you been acquiring the pieces? Yes. All of you or just... All of us. Okay, good. Good, good. At least it's a group effort. Why? Is that a good thing? Um, well, it's better than one person trying to grab all of them. Oh. Well, in that case... What do you mean in that case? Miss Bellinger has been keeping care of all of them. Okay. She does seem rather attached. Yeah, there's a reason for that. Go on. How long has she had them all? All the pieces? Not too long. A week, more or less. Oh, okay. Well, I have some bad news. The entire past couple of weeks have been nothing but bad news. I suppose I can take another piece. It's really not news for you directly, though. She's in trouble again, isn't she? It's going to kill her. There's an influence that they speak of. The reason why the pieces are so deadly together is that if they're collected and kept together, no one mortal person could handle that sort of raw power. And so they're separated. Because to handle it, you need to do the ritual. Which, as far as I'm reading, includes mostly shedding. I use that as a pleasant term the skin that you wear, to wear this instead. So she really has two choices. She either does the ritual to wear it, or you have to destroy it. Oh, I'm intending to destroy it. In the next eight hours. Eight hours? Hmm. Or she's dead. Oh, we'd better hope the gentlemen have found where we need to go then. Normally I would rather deliver the news to her personally, but I don't know any of you. I'll keep translating. You'll need the ritual in the language that you speak, so that way you can do what you need to do. I can probably get you a rough form of it in the next, I don't know, four to six hours. It was going to take me two days, but maybe you and I can work together and I can show you what I know and we can hunt and peck through this thing and, and try to force it faster. Whatever we need to do, Jonah, as quickly as possible. He nods and turns back to his office and... He doesn't really close the door all the way. And so you see him sit down at the desk, go back to the tome, and there are just like stacks of papers that he's, you know, additional paper that he's writing and translating things from. So I'll go see Maggie first, and then I'll go work on things with Jonah. But I need to see Maggie first. Mm -hmm. Maggie has been limbering up for some real mental gymnastics that she feels like she needs to do that I feel like she needs to do because she cut off the head of the Comte, which really goes against a lot of things that Maggie has felt. 
And I think the only justification for this in Maggie's brain is that the Compte was in her way. And she convinces herself of this, that the Compte really was holding herself back. And so she's having this discussion with herself in her room that he he was holding me back and I had to do it. And I need to ask Mr. Fraser, he's he's killed a man before. Do you do you gain power when you kill the man? Do you do you absorb some of them? Because I think that might be true. I feel that I've become more more powerful since I've I killed the Compton. The only explanation for it is that I had to. It it was part of the test. He wanted me to do it. He wanted me to kill him to prove that I I I was making progress, that that I I'm the one will, that will rise next. It's 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 my turn. Fantastic. I think you've convinced me, so why not convince yourself? And in doing so, I'll ask you to make a power roll. Okay. Okay, so I rolled uh, with my disadvantage in 89. If I can, I would like to spend luck to get that down to a success, which would be, be a 75. So I need to spend what? 14 luck? If if, I, if you will allow that, I would like to do that. You're free to spend. It's an ability roll, so you won't have any problem spending that at all. That's what I want to do. Okay. So you make the roll. You convince yourself that it was fate that the comp was there as a challenge on your own personal path to what you will become and that you had to to go through the comp to get to where you are. It's almost empowering. Is there something about taking a man's life to to know that that life and death is within your own hands? That that I can be control. I can I can be in control of my fate and and everyone else's as well. It's at this point you get a knock on your door. Oh, yes. Maggie. Oh, uh, Lady Elizabeth, yes. Um, Maggie will go to the door and open it, but not open the door very much because I don't think the room has been cleaned a lot from the absolute bloodbath that happened in the last episode. I believe we described a lot of blood going everywhere. It was not contained. There's, there's no, um, there's no carpet here though. It's all tile, so it's cleanable. But, um, but yeah, maybe not have too many house guests over. Yes, Lady Elizabeth. Maggie, I need to talk to you. Oh, it's important. Okay, of course. And she starts to push her way out of the room to close the room behind her, the door behind her. Is something wrong? It is an absolutely dreadful mess in there, Lady Elizabeth, and I would be ashamed for a lady like yourself to see it. I was rather upset the other night, just after everything that's happened, and I've just, I made a whole mess of the place. Well, I suppose that is your uh, prerogative, but uh, doesn't matter at the moment. Yes, well, perhaps we could uh, go go to a sitting area in that in the house and we could uh, talk there. Very well. So I guess we'll go to the sitting room area where Fraser and Simon had their long conversation the night before. Miss Bellinger. Maggie. Oh, yes, Lady Elizabeth. Have you been feeling anything strange since we acquired the last piece? I wouldn't say strange. Something did happen when I was separated from the pieces. But I think that that has been remedied. Well, it's close to being remedied, I think. What do you mean, strange? Oh, like, I didn't... I I just... You know, I've had some pains since 
acquiring them. And, and I felt the, the connection between myself and the pieces had been broken and, and like they weren't mine anymore and they were they were mad at me it felt like and I, I didn't like that at all but I, I think that I've appeased them and I've made it better there is a slight look of absolute bewilderment just for a split second you've appeased them Maggie what does that mean yeah I, I spent some time with them and, and everything is fine now. I feel better and they feel better too. I know that it sounds strange, but we've just, we've been on such a long journey and I don't want to say that I've I've grown attached to the pieces, but I know that I've, I've taken this on myself to spare the rest of you the burden of the pieces. And I just wanted, you asked if I had felt strange and I'm telling you that I feel fine now. Maggie, it's going to kill you. No, I, look, okay, I understand that you're concerned. I I think I'll be fine. I might die at first. What do you mean, die at first, Maggie? Well, I don't know, but I've just been thinking so much about the Compton, how I had to kill him to... To what? I don't well, really know. I mean, he said I could fly, and I think that part of me flying, I think it means more than flying, but um, usually I would just tell these things to Richard, but I don't even know where he's at right now, so I guess and I just can't really keep it in. I think it means more than that, Lady Elizabeth. It means more than flying. It means a, a, ascending to, to something greater, and I had to kill him to get out of the way. And I don't know what that means. Maybe it's a transformation, like a like a butterfly or, or something like that. Ch- transformation into what? I don't know, but I'm so excited to find out. Maggie, it's not going to transform you. It's going to kill you within eight hours. And then I will arise again, like a phoenix from the ashes, or... Where are you getting this information anyways, Lady Elizabeth? I know things. So do I. I don't know how to take that. Did the Comte tell you this, or did the pieces tell you this? I Neither. I think I figured it out myself. It's the only way that could be the truth. The only way. How could the pieces kill me? Like you said, they, they're they just a statue. The pain that's been building up, the connection, it's, it's a lot of power, Maggie, all at once. I can take it. No, you can't. And I want to lean forward and grasp her hand. Maggie, this is not good. What it's doing to you, you can't give in to it. The Comte lied to you, didn't he? You talked about that. We heard a few things. He may have lied to me, or it may have been a test. A test and you killed him for it. I passed. I'm sure his head agrees with you. What if this is lying to you as well, Maggie? What if you never get home to Aunt Edith? I think Maggie's face turns to like that of a pouting child. Like where something has been kind of pointed out in the contradictory of, of what they're saying and they she just gets this kind of like frowny pouty child's face on. So what then, Lady Elizabeth? We have You say we have eight hours. For what? need to break it somehow, break its hold on you. Well, I've worked very hard recently to make that not the case. Somehow that doesn't surprise me. Maggie, please. 
And if eight hours comes and eight hours goes and I'm perfectly fine, how will we even know that it's going to kill me? It's a lot of power building up. And we're here where it's supposed to be. Doesn't take a genius, Maggie. Perhaps that's true. We're all supposed to be here. Maybe this is exactly what's supposed to happen. According to whom? Maggie. I don't know. It's lying to you the way the Comte did. I wish I could make you see that. I like you. God knows why. But I do. And I don't want to see you hurt. But there's only so much I can do. I suppose then, Lady Elizabeth, when the moment comes, I will have to make a decision. I doubt it's going to just kill me outright in eight hours. All of a sudden, dead as a doornail. I don't know. But you will have a decision then. At least it's an informed one. I I appreciating you warning me. Just shake my head. Very well, Maggie. I've done my best. Just think about it, okay? I will. Uh, yeah, you um, you leave the conversation as best you can. Maggie, you what? Retire to your room? Stay there in the common space, or I'll slink back to my room to think. You slink back, and as you move across the floor, you are reminded of the influence the pieces still have over you, and the parts of your body that are still in pain. And there is the tiniest bit of what feels like something wet on your thighs and legs. Are my wounds bleeding? They are. Black. Oh. Well, you know, a caterpillar in the cocoon pretty much completely dissolves itself before it reemerges as a butterfly, so. That's what they say. Gents, you return home from your um, experience in the marketplace. Yeah, I think somewhat adrenaline-fueled when we return back as well. Oh, yeah, I'd imagine. First thing I'm going to do is find Lady Elizabeth and the others if they happen to be with her, but it's Lady Elizabeth I'm, uh, I'm looking for. I'm in with Jonah, I think, by this point. Yeah, you find Lady Elizabeth in Jonah's bedroom. I mean, there is a bed there. I'll knock on the door, of course. The door's open. Yeah, the door's open. Ah, there you are. You, oh, I, I do hope I'm not intruding. Um, Jonah, I don't know what to tell you. Um, man Malik, is he a friend of yours? He's a business contact, that's about it. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to tell you that I rather think he might be dead. Oh, what happened? Someone got to him while we were talking to him. A, a poison dart in the, in the back of his neck. We left as quickly as we could here. I think he was he was still alive when we left, but I don't rate his chances much. Well, I have a really hard time picking up more context in this place. They're tough to cultivate. He did give us some information, though, about where we can find the place that we're looking for. Okay. What did he tell you? Um, I, I have it here. I'll pull out the, uh, the map that uh, I took from the table. This is uh, the direction that uh, he pointed us to, and I'll sort of trace with my finger along the route that Malik traced earlier on. And here, that's as far as he got. It's not hard to find on the map at all, Fraser. The sweat impression left by Malik's fingerprint is still there. Now, I don't know if... That is the final location, but that's as far as he got when he was showing us. Uh, S Simon, uh, Simon, do you have that bit of paper with the uh, with the name on it? 
Uh, Simon produces the piece of paper and says, he wrote the Vita's name on the back here in Arabic. He said something about not speaking it aloud, so could you write it down beneath it in English? He was probably referring to the market. If he believed that there were people listening nearby that could prove dangerous, he probably would want to write it down rather than speak it aloud. There won't be any issue speaking his name here. Uh, are you sure? Trust me. We we have encountered things that might be able to hear things at a distance. I got the impression he was he was afraid to say the name. Exactly. Not just the market, just period. Well, the last name is Makarat. Makarat. I know that name. We've heard that name before. Racking my brain to remember where we heard that name before. Was it right way back in London? It was, actually. Your mind is suddenly blossoms with a newspaper article of a man who died three times in one night. That doesn't make any sense. Well, I think you have bigger problems than that. What do you mean? Jonah looks at Lady Elizabeth. The pieces seem to have a hold on Maggie, and it will kill her in eight hours. It's all here what? in the pages. Eight, eight, what? Eight hours? Are you serious? I'm serious. The, the influence on those pieces, the power that they get pulled in by them from wherever it comes from, is something that's sustainable over different people. It's like spreading out butter on too much bread. When, when you collect it all in one simple piece, it's too much for the bread to handle, and the bread can break. The center cannot hold. She's been collecting all of the pieces, that's what Lady Elizabeth has said. And if she's been collecting all of the pieces, then she's been taking on all of that burden, and it's rotting her from the inside out. And eventually it will kill her. And by the text here, it looks like it's about eight hours or so from now. And there's more. And I'm going to tell him what Maggie said. Oh, Maggie, 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 what have you done? We need to move quickly. Hi, hi. I am assisting Jonah here. So what do we need to know? So what we are going to do, Jonah gestures to... Lady Elizabeth, is we are going to form the basis of the translation of this incantation that someone is going to have to start. I have one other contact in the city that is worth a damn, and I think he might be able to help us out. He's a free trader, that's the best way to say it. Sometimes he smuggles goods into and out of the city, sometimes he, well, sometimes he works for the government. He's a little gray as far as the rules go, but he's somebody who knows all sorts of the inner workings of Constantinople, including maybe a pathway to this place. Because if this is wherever your target cult makes its home at, I'm sure it's defended. Aye. Not only that, but uh, Malik made a point of saying that members of this cult were in the local government. It sounds like it's uh, a pervasive sect. They have... uh people in places of power so they can protect themselves I dare say cover their tracks when necessary we need we need more than we have Malik wasn't able to say how many there are in the city but if it's more than just a handful 
we ourselves, we won't be enough to get through. We need assistance. Simon, I don't know if uh, you can call upon your superiors to uh, provide us with any aid here in the time scale that we have. Jonah, I don't know if there's anyone you know or if this associate of yours, this uh, man who walks in the grey areas, if he has uh, any uh, any men, women that he can call upon. I, I can work the lines as best we can. It's going to be short notice, so money is going to trump loyalty. We have money. It wouldn't be impossible to get some lads who are fair with a rifle or two and maybe cause a little disturbance outside at the front of the mosque to draw attention at the right time. But it'll be up to you all to sort out whatever happens after that. We don't even know how long it's going to take to enact this ritual. Tell me, what is this ritual, this incantation that you're talking about? Go ahead, tell him. You either replace your skin with the simulacrum or you destroy it. I know which one I would prefer. However, we can't tell Miss Bellinger about the second one. What? Because she seems to think it will make her rise again. Fraser, I need to be working on this. We don't have a whole lot of time. So, as I understand it, we have two options. The first option is not uh, acceptable to us. Um, The second option is our only option. What what do you need from me? Do I need to go and find you anything from the the marketplace? Uh, Do you need equipment of any kind? I need you to meet with a man named Akhtar. How will I know this man? I'm going to give you the place where he does business at. He's the free trader I spoke of. He needs to be given a shopping list of things that we'll need. It's going to require quite a heavy price, which we'll find a way to pay. That is not an issue. Uh, we, we have money. He knows you by name, I. He knows me by name. He'll be able to get us probably five to ten men who can help deal with some of the top situations. He may also know a little more about this building than I do. I've been by this place a couple of times since coming here. It's a mosque. It's just disused. No one uses it. It's decrepit. It's run down. You wouldn't think about it for more than half a second if you walk by it. Well, the perfect place to have a center of operations for us, the kind of people that we're dealing with. Simon, you were going to say? I'm just going to go unpack Thompson and uh, some sticks of love to take over to the mosque. Keeper, I have a question. Where? So I don't know the layout of the house. But I'm wondering what the chances are that Maggie has overheard them come home in this conversation. I think there's a high chance that you would have heard them come home because there's only so much that you can, you know, hope to squelch about the the, the noise that they would make. As far as the conversation happening a couple rooms over, you want to make a hard listen roll? You can get some of the tones of that conversation. So my listen is a 77. Mm-hmm. So then that, what would be hard for that? 38. Okay, so I rolled a 7, but with my disadvantage, I rolled a 57. So I just need to get my 57 down to 38. That's what, 19 points of luck? It is. Oh, I'll go for it. Okay. Spend 19 points of luck. Okay. During your inspection of your physical form, you realize that the um, wounds that you have made on yourself are now seeping black blood. It's a little bit more viscous than your normal blood, which you've 
become somewhat used to. And so you're having to redress your wounds. In doing so, you are sitting in quiet contemplation, of course, with no other sounds around you, and so are able to keenly hear the gentleman come home and then begin having a very animated conversation in one of the bedrooms nearby. I'd say you get about 75% of the conversation. In my heart, I would like Maggie to grab a sheet, bundle up, because I don't think she can carry a whole steamer trunk by herself, but she Mm -hmm. could bundle up the pieces, throw them over her shoulder, and Maggie wants to get the fuck out of here. Okay, so here's something, two things I want from you. One, I want a stealth roll from her. I don't think that's hard at all. They're all collected in one room, so it's reasonable to say that she can probably get away with them. But she's going to have to pass a stealth roll first. And I would say, not that it would be contested for anybody in the room in the middle of the conversation, but it's important that she at least gets out without, you know. Now, I do have the talent shadow, which either reduce difficulty level by one or I gain a bonus die. So I'm assuming that will cancel out my disadvantage. It certainly will. So it'll be a flat roll for you. And this is stealth, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So 50-50 chance. I rolled an 11. That's pretty good. That would be a wonderful success in Delta Green, but since we're not playing Delta Green, it is a fantastic success here as well. So, yeah, you bundle the items up in a sheet after seeing to your own wounds. I'll ask you this. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you give... Richard's door or his room or anything a second glance as you as you walk out? I don't think so. Maggie is scared, not for herself, but she's scared that they're of what they are going to do to her. She's not scared of these pieces. She's scared of them. Or like she needs to get to the place first. So I don't think she would even be thinking about Richard. Okay. You gather the pieces and the clothing that you're wearing, the conservative clothing that you're wearing today, and you slowly and quietly make your way out with none of your compatriots the wiser. Well, former compatriots at this point, because it's clear who you trust. And I think that that's a fantastic note to end on. And so I'll wish all of you a wonderful rest of your day or evening, wherever you are. And I look forward to the next time you get to hear us on the Old Ways Podcast as we continue the final climax of Horror on the Orient Express. Thank you and good night.